ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם מבייס השם. Tonight's שיר. In the midst of the nine days. Yes, you're allowed to learn Torah in the nine days. You're allowed to learn Torah in the nine days. Shabbos, Gemara tells us, Anyone that goes through the trouble of preparing on Erev Shabbos for Shabbos, is able to eat on Shabbos, able to partake on Shabbos of the food, which is the physical translation or analogy to this to this Gemara. It also refers to in the days prior to Mashiach's coming, like today, we are preparing for the coming of Mashiach. In our preparation for the coming of Mashiach is the Erev Shabbos, the Terech of Erev Shabbos, the trouble which we are going through on Erev Shabbos, to be able to eat on Shabbos, Yem Shekule Shabbos, Umenuchal Achai Elamim, Lasud Lave Yimeis HaMashiach. That being said, and Friday, not being called only Friday, or the sixth day of the week, but also always referred to as Erev Shabbos Kedish, this Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Devarim, which is Shabbos Chazain, is Hey Menachemov, the fifth day of Menachemov. Excuse me, on the fifth day of Menachemov, is what's known as the Yem Heilula, of the Mekubal Elikei, Rabbi Yitzchok Luri Ashkenazi, who is known as the Arizal Ariachai. The Arizal was born in the year Reish Tzadik Dalit. So, where we are now in Tafshin Ayin Gimel, this is not Tav Reish. Sadiq Dalit, but Reish Sadiq Dalit. His father, Shlema Ashkenazi, was known. In the city, the holy city of Yerushalayim, Mirakadish. We will explain momentarily Shabbos Chazain. As we will explain. Everything else, God willing. Right now we are talking about, discussing again, the Arizal. As we said, he was born in the city of Yerushalayim, the holy city of Yerushalayim. May it be rebuilt today. At the age of eight, the young age of eight years old, excuse me, at the very young age they saw right away that he was extremely spiritual and a very high, great neshama. At the age of eight, his father passed away. And his mother moved with him to Egypt. They had a very rich uncle, her brother there. And he supported the family. In Mitzrayim, there he learned in the yeshiva Seradvaz, who was the yeshiva of David ben Zimra, in the year Shin, actually Shin Lamid, in the year Shin Lamid, 
when he was now 36 years old, he was born Tzadik Dalit, yes, Shin Laman, he was 36 years old, he went up with his family to the city of Tzvas Irakedish. In Eretz Yisrael they began to learn the Chochmas of Kabbalah, which were his main tatas. And he learned, and he taught it, this, this prize student was Chaim Vital, known as the Rachav, and referred to many times throughout Chassidus, the Rachav Zal. In Svas, there is a mikveh, which is known as Mikveh Ari, the mikveh of the Arizal. In the year Shin Lamed Beis, the Arizal was Nifter. So he was born Reish Sadik Dalid. So in essence, 6 and 32, as 38 years old, he passed away. And he was buried in Tzvas. Each year there's a tremendous pilgrimage that will be going up this Thursday evening from all over at Israel. And they converge to Tzvas to all go pray by the Keva Ari and to dip in the mikveh of the Arizal. It's obviously a very special day, so this Thursday evening if you can't actually get to Tzvas, at least to have Kavana, for this Thursday evening and Friday, to Davin, it's a Yem Segula, a special day, to Davin, for anything that we need. Teres Aksidis stresses, Teres Akabola, which we learn, it's just, of course, in the ways of the Arizal HaKadosh. Also, Nusach Atvila. Most people are Masakin. The Nusach Atvila, the ways of davening, the word Sidurim, most Sidurim are based on the Arizal's Atvilas, which ultimately, of course, we got, he took down from the Anshakinas Agdela and the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, the Shechonarach, established his Sidur Alpi Nusach Harizal. The Rebbe mentions many times the Emelula of Dari. There are many Sikhs, the Fabrengans, which the Rebbe spoke about the Ari HaKadosh. His service to God. And how a person has to act on this day. In the Sefer Hazayr it says, Bahai Sifrecha, Diloch, Yifkun Min Galuso, Berachamin. Which means to say, Dafke, through learning of this primius Ateda, through learning this inner secrets of Teda, ultimately the Jews will be revealed. So therefore we understand also that the words of the Tedas of the Arizal have the same stature. The Rebbe explained this Pasuk, Umnei Yisrael Yetzim, when it talks about the Jews left Egypt, how the Jews left with a strong hand, which is Ibn Yisrael Nafku Bereish Gley. The Targum says, What is the Adrama Bereish Gley with open revelations? Which, of course, implies and hints to the Geula that will come about from the Reish Gley, from the Panemius Atera. The inner secrets of Torah. The word Bereish is an acronym. The acronym of the word Bereish is the word Shemigali from Vesame Primius Atera. Don't know exactly how that works. Ah, I'm sorry, I do know. That the letters of the Ari's, Ari's name 
The Rebbe says that the Rosh Tevis of his name, Rabbi Yitzchok ben Shleima, Rabbi Yitzchok ben Shleima, which is Arizal's name, Reish Yud Beis Shin, are in a different form, the word Beresh. And so it's told that on Friday, after Chatzis, that Arizal would go with his students and they asked the and they asked their opinion. Should they go to Yerushalayim for Shabbos, which at that time from Tzvast Yerushalayim would take many many hours? And the Talmidim agreed. His students agreed. They wanted to go together to Yerushalayim for Shabbos. But some of them asked. Can I go home and ask my wife first? When he heard this, that he said because of this, they lost the Eisiratzin to bring the Gula Shlema. If they all would have been ready to go on the spot, Mashiach would have come right then and there. But because there were guys who said, I have to go ask my wife first, it ruined it. Now, if I'm going to start getting inundated with emails from all the wives now, that what did you just do to me? Now my husband says I shouldn't listen, and I shouldn't, they shouldn't ask me anything before they do anything. Please, don't go that way. This is only in that time where the Arizal said to do something. If the Arizal said, let's go to Yerushalayim, Tamidim should have said, we're going. <coughs> when the Rebbe says to do something, it's called Amuchemes, based David. Whoever goes out to the war, the battle of Beis David, anyone that goes out to the war of Beis David does not have to ask his wife first. On Hay of Tofresh Peites, at 6.15, approximately an hour before Shkia, the Friedrich Rebbe arrived at the Tzien of the Arizal. Hundreds of people from the city, when they heard that the Rebbe came, or was coming, were already waiting there. The Rebbe went over with great fear. He said a very short prayer from the Siddur. And then he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he stood, without moving, for several seconds. Throughout, they were able to hear crying from the Rebbe's mouth. It moved the hearts of the, the weakest, the, the, the most uh, stubborn. stubborn people moved their hearts. After that, the Rebbe requested, the feeling Rebbe requested, they brought the package of the Panim that he brought with him, all the letters that the people had sent with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe read all the Panim. And he put it on the three holy graves, the Ari, the Ramak, and the cave of Shlema Alkavitz, who were all near there. <coughs> And the Rebbe added, also by the cave of the Beis Yosef, and he continued on to the cave of Ramesha Alshech. There he stayed for a while. The Rebbe says, There I stood myself. There I spoke on my own, to myself, and I cried tremendous, tremendous tears, said the Rebbe. That was the visit of the Fidik Rebbe on the outside of the Ari Achai to the grave of the Arizal, which, was, which will be the outside this coming Friday in Metz Hashem Teva. Until then, hopefully, Yerushalayim and Akedish will be rebuilt 
and we will all be in Yerushalayim in Akedish together. This week's Parsha is Parsha Devarim, which means we begin the Chumish of Devarim. Don't even ask me to pronounce that in English. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, is that what the word is? Something like that. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. It's, it's got a dude in it. <laughs> no, it's got a dude in it. it. We get some Celsius or juice or something. We begin now the last, we embark on the last of the five books of Moses, the five Chumashim. Chumash Devarim is a repeat of the four prior Sifarim. And therefore we've mentioned many times before the Gemara Masech this Gitten tells us <laughs> Got it. The Gemara Masech this Gitten tells us if someone has to write a get the get has to be 12 lines. Why 12 lines? It's one of the reasons is because the word get is gimel tes, which is the numerical value of 12. And another reason is because the spaces that there are between the sif, the sfarim, between Bereshis and Shemais, when you look in your Sefetera, you will see a space of four lines. It gets blank for four lines. Between Shemais and Vayikra, again, four lines. And Vayikra and Bamidbar, again, four lines. And three times four are twelve. Got a holy cup. We're not ready. One minute, dealing with the holy cup. I thought I had a hole in my chin, but it's not a cup. Between Bereshis and Shemais, Shemais, Vayikra, and Vayikra, Bamidbar, there are four line spaces. Four times three are twelve. But between Bamidbar and Devarim, there are also four lines. However, since Devarim is called Mishnah Teira, a repetition, Therefore, we don't have, we don't count those four, sp- four spaces, four lines, and we only have on twelve lines. Before we go to the Pasha, we need to discuss Pasha's Shabbos Chazoyim. Now, the more famous of the Shabbosim is, of course, Shabbos Nachmu. Which should be next Shabbos. And we'll talk about that in the the Teva. Shabbos Chazayin is the time, said the Levi Yitzchak, if you can look, and you will look carefully, you will see the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is shown to us on Shabbos Chazayin. Moshal, says the Badi the Moshal, the parable is as follows. A father bought a child a beautiful new suit. And the child was reckless and ran around and tore the suit. So the father went the second time and he had a tailor sew a second suit. And again the child was reckless, ran around and tore his second suit. At this point the father said, you're not capable, you don't know how to look after your garments. I put it down for a reason, because it's shrindling in my eyes. You keep track when it lights up on the bottom. It doesn't matter. It doesn't come as part of that. (sighs) 
The father ordered a third suit, and the third suit he took and he looked, he showed the child, you see, this is your suit. When you learn how to behave, you learn how to act, and you learn how to stop running around like a Vildachaya, you will get your third suit, you will get this suit. Says the Badichev that on Shabbos Chazoyin means you see, it's being shown to us as the Haftar begins Chazoyin Yishayo Benamoitz. There is a vision of, of Yishayo, and therefore <coughs> we are shown the third base Hamikdash on this day. For each year, or each month, or each week, the father would take the suit out of the closet to show it to the child. So the child would be inspired, and the child would be inclined to improve his behavior, to improve his actions, so that he will ultimately be worthy of wearing this third suit. And so too is the same with our Beis Amikdash Ashlishi, that we anticipate and we wait, that we shouldn't be meritous to have the Almighty release to us the third temple, which we are shown on Shabbos Chazayin almost like a tease. Well, actually, it's not, because we learned in Yecheskel that Yecheskel is told twice. Once in the beginning of the talk of the Nevoah about the Holy Temple, which is in Perik Mem, and once at the end in Perik Mem Gimel. And it says to him, that the first case it says, that the Malach told me, Ben Adam, you should know that you have to watch carefully, I'm going to show you the third base Amigdash. You have to watch, I'm going to give you every single last detail. You need to know it so that you can ultimately tell the Jews so that they may be condoled, they con- consoled over the fact that the temple was destroyed. And that they should not give up hope knowing that the third temple is existing. At the end again we have this conversation but not the Malach but the Almighty Himself tells him the almost exact identical message but the Almighty being a father and not being only an angel the Almighty says that they should know that it is existing and they are depriving themselves by not doing what they have to do they are depriving it it's their culpability why the temple is not there yet and therefore they should take action and take heed. Whereas the Malach said that the reason you're looking and you're seeing this is that you can appease them. So they can know that don't worry, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it's not an oncoming train. In the week's Pasha, in Pasha's Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu begins to reprimand the Yidin. He begins to reprimand the Eden. However, Moshe Rabbeinu was a very, very kind, devoted leader. And although he was reprimanding them, and he was reprimanding them for everything that they did wrong throughout the time, the last 40 years, But Meishe Rabbeinu does this in a hint. He doesn't outwardly say, you did this Aveda, this Aveda, this Aveda. He mentions the place the Aveda took place, and they themselves understood and derived what he was talking about. 
Now, first of all, we have to understand that many people standing here now, 40 years later, were not born when this happened. When these sins were done. The people between 20 and 60 all died through the course of the 40 years. So another reason, perhaps, we could say, why Moshe reprimands the Jews in a hint, in a fashion, is because these people standing in front of him were not culpable. And the proof is, they're going into Eretz Israel. But when the Pasha begins, that Moshe, these are the words that Moshe spoke, in the Midbar, Arava, Melsuf, Ben Paran, Ben Tefel, in Lavan Vachaseris, Dizav, enumerating all the sins, Rashi says, Monakan Kol Amekemes Sheikh Isu. He enumerates all the places that the Jews angered God. But Sasam Asadvarim, he closes the words, he only leaves it in a hint. For the honor of the Jews. Now we know, of course, that we learn Teda four different ways. There's Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Seid. Let us take this in the way of a Remez, of hint, since it's only hinting to them. And we'll see how Mesh actually hinted the sin. But not only did he hint the sin, but being a Rayanemon, being a proper pastor, he gave them the solution to the sin. Gave them the reason that why it's not really their fault that that sin took place. Let us dissect it. Bamidbar. What happened in the Midbar? Rashi reminds us that the Pasuk tells us in Bishalach 16, verse 3, for those keeping score at home. Miyitein Museinu Bamidbar, who brought us here to die in the desert. Says Moshe. <laughs> of course you said that. You were stuck in a midbar agodel v'aneira v'tzimoyin asherein mayim. Later in Pasha's Ekev, we are now in the Dvarim, v'eschanon Ekev, in the third Pasha of the Chumash Dvarim. If you're keeping score at home, it's chapter 8, verse 15. Where Moshe enumerates the problems of the desert. It was a problem. It was mortifying, it was petrifying. The desert. <laughs> and of course they said such things. Of course they thought they were going to die there. The sin was they should have had belief and faith in God. And know that God would not forsake them. But ultimately there was a good reason why you thought that. Barovo says Rashi, this is the sin that they sinned in Shittim. But Shittim was a very decadent place, says Moshe. It was Arvis Moyov. They were not sneers there. And therefore, yes, of course, you fell in. You were ex- overexposed to overexposures. Then the case of Meil Suf, that by the Yamsuf the Yidin started to cry and said, we're going to die. Of course they thought so. According to the natural walk of a human being, they looked to the right and to the left was desert, in front of them was a river, and behind them were the Egyptians pursuing them. So naturally speaking, a person looks and says, we are dead ducks. However, 
The Almighty performed the miracle and split the sea. I don't know what anybody else listening to this ever smoked or drank. But perhaps while you smoked or drank, whatever you did, you could see water splitting. But I know in my own life, I never got any, anywhere near that high to see any water split. So naturally speaking, when you're standing in front of a Yamsuf, the last miracle you thought is going to happen is the water is going to split. Even if you were a historian, and you knew the story of Yaakov Avinu, that when Yaakov Avinu was running, Yaakov Avinu had the, Yad- the Yardin split for him, so there was a happening of such. It once took place that the water did split to save Jews. But even if you were the historian of such, you didn't associate in this time, this dire time, where you have Egyptians on your tail and a desert to your right and to your left, that the solution would be that the water is going to split and you're going to walk through it. So of course, Says Moshe, yes, you sinned, but how could you not have? Poron is what happened in Poron by the, the Meraglim. The Meraglim, the spies. What did the Jews do? They cried out and said, we can't go, we can't conquer. Did they make that up? Did they conjure up this idea? No! The Meraglim had sharp tongues. And they spoke to the Jews and they ultimately twisted their minds and they put it in their heads that they came to conquer. And based on that, the Jews started to cry out. And because of that, they sinned. But they didn't want it. It wasn't the Jews' idea. Tefan Velavon, referring to the Mon. The Jews complained that the Mon. What were they complaining? Velavon. That the Mon was white. It wasn't, it was clear actually, it wasn't really white. It was clear. They wanted something to look like food. It didn't have the color of food. If you're keeping track at home, the Gemara in the Sectus Yuma, 74 side B, and Rashi there, it says, You didn't see it and didn't digest it. It had a taste of anything you wanted. But you did not see a physical food. So of course it ultimately got to you. Chatzedes was the Machlekes of Kerach. The Jews sinned only because Kerach twisted their minds. Vedizahav, the sin of the eagle. That was because they had too much money. They just had too much gold. Wasn't really their fault, says Mission. So we see, as a pastor, as a leader, Mission Abenu mentions the sins, but has an, a perfect solution for each sin as it went. is reprimanding the Jews and he feels it's too much it's too much demasiado he has to change 
tunes, change channels. So he throws out a bracha at the Jews. And he says, Hashem Elikei Aveseichem Yosef Aleichem Kochem Elef Pomim The Almighty should bless you the way you are today a thousandfold. And then he says, Yivarech Eschem Kashedib Elechem And he should bless you the way he spoke to you prior. Rashi explains why did he say it twice? The Jews turned to Moshe and said, Hey, 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 hey. You said, Yosef Hashem Lachem Kochem Elef Pam. We have 600,000 Jews. And you said we should be multiplied by a thousand. <laughs> What's that? That's a finite number. You're cutting us down. You're depriving us. We told this Moshe before. It's a Moshele Melech, a king that was saved in the forest by a regular plain man. And he brought the man back to the, to the palace and he said, I want to reward you. What do you want? Until half my kingdom, as he say. And he said, God forbid, the Almighty blessed me that I was able to save the king. I, I, I don't want anything. He says, I am a king and I cannot let you go out without rewarding you. So the man told the king, I want you to draw 30 squares. We're going to make 30 boxes. Each box is one day of the month. On the first square in the first day of the month, I want you to give me a stalk of wheat. On the second day, I want you to give me two stalks of wheat. On the third day, I want you to give me four stalks of wheat. And each day, for the 30 days, I want you to double the wheat. Now, really, really honestly... For those of you keeping score at home, do the math. If on the third day was four, on the fourth day was eight, the fifth day sixteen, the sixth day thirty-two, I think you got the gist of it, that by the end of the thirtieth day, there was no number anymore. Yosef Hashem Lachem Kochem Elef Pomim. Meshach doesn't say a thousand times what you are today, but I bless you that the six hundred thousand to the thousandth power, which means six hundred thousand times six hundred thousand, times that number by that number, times that number by that number, a thousand times over. But here the Jews turn to Meshach on the regular pshat. And they said, why did you do that to us? And the question is, of course, on the question. Why did Mesha speak in such a way that there should be a question? That he has to answer to them that I didn't really cut your, bre- cut your, bre- your blessing. He could have said, it's not his bracha, and the Almighty gives a lot more. The Chazal tell us, our sages tell us, in the Medrash Tehillim, Mis Baruch The Almighty has a taiva for the prayers of the tzaddikim. As it says in Tehillim, in Iyuv, <laughs> So ultimately, Moshe Rabbeinu
wanted the Jews to request and to pray and to pray, and thereby ultimately would receive the blessings of the Abishta. So first he says only a thousand times, and they go, uh, wait a minute, what only a thousand times? You're cutting us short. So they're going to ask, they're going to request and beseech by the Almighty to give them the blessing that He had given to our forefathers. This was the ploy that Moshe used to bring out their prayers. We learned in the last few weeks Ruvain Shevet Ruvain God conquered on the other side of the Yardin. However, the stipulation was they have to come to battle. They need to come to war with the Jews. And so at the end of our Pasha, it talks about this. What really, besides Mikner Rav, how did all those extra sheep cause Ruvain and God to want to stay outside of Edsasol? At the end of our Pasha, we see Moshe Rabbeinu talking to Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain. And he tells them, I know you have many sheep. There was a sage named Yehinus and Yipschitz. Yehinus and Yipschitz had a safer call to Ferris Yehinus. And he asks in his safer. There were 12 Shvatim. There were 12 tribes. Only Reuben and God had too many sheep? How come nobody else had sheep? And the answer is these two Shvatim, Reuben and God, appreciated the mon. They appreciated it and they liked it. They, if today people from Reuben and God, probably Jews. <laughs> they go on. The, they're on a juice diet. They only drink juices. Cranberry juice. No, no, no. You didn't see anything about the juice diet. Not even close. Oh my gosh, cranberry! Are you kidding me? They mix everything together today well, in juices. And people, there are people that live day to day for months on end only on juices. Rahman of Islam. The concoctions they come up with. I don't envy anybody. Anyway, Nuvein and God appreciated the man. And therefore, they didn't have to slaughter their animals. So they, at this point in time now, they had a surplus of animals. The other tribes had the mon, but they wanted meat. So they would slaughter occasionally some of their animals. So they had food. But let us get practical. Because of a few sheep. Put that on the chair. Why are you holding that instead of putting it on the chair? (laughs) Anticipation of coldness. Okay. (laughs) A few sheep is a reason not to go into it itself. That convinces them not to go into the Holy Land. There has to be a thick, a, a deeper explanation. 
every food has a taste to it. And each food has its own taste. And we said in Mesechtis Yuma, for you keeping score, Mesechtis Tractate of Yuma, Ayin Hay Amr Aleph, 75 side A, where it refers to the Mon. The Mon tastes like whatever you wanted it to taste like. An entity. When you eat a piece of meat, it's a piece of meat. You eat a chicken, it's chicken. When you eat a vegetable, it's a vegetable, a fruit, a fruit. Each has its own taste. Here, no matter what you thought about, that's what you ate, that's what you failed, that's what you tasted. From the same mon. Why? Because according to one svara, the bracha on mon was lechem and hashemayim. Hamaytzi lechem and hashemayim. It was a spiritual bread. And therefore, because it was spiritual, it had no boundaries. Since the Shevet God and Ruvain was so entrenched in eating the spiritual bread, it caused within themselves they did not want to go into Hetzel. Because going into Hetzel would cause a physical world. A mundane world. They would have to be planting and sow, sowing, etc. They wanted to stay on the other side of the Yardin and be shepherds. And this job of shepherd and herding doesn't take up so much time. And therefore they can always remain attached to the Almighty. When Shevet God does come to war, Shevet God comes to battle, Chalutzim Tavru Lifnei Achechem, says the Pasuk. They were told to go as Chalutzim, as pioneers. And Rashi explains why were they called pioneers, what was so magnificent about their tactics. Heim Hayulherchim Lifnei Yisrael HaMachamah. They went out before the Jews to the war. Because they were very, very strong. And the enemies fell before them. Shenemar, it says in the Pasuk, They removed the head and shoulder in one shot. That's how we got the shampoo. Head and shoulder in one shot. It's not oh. When the B'nai God went to war in front, the first group, they would put themselves into great dangers. But they were willing to die for the service of Hashem. And with this strength, they were able to swing their sword in such a way that decapitated and took the shoulder right off of a person. This is actually a lesson to us. The enemy which we have in battle is the Yetzirah. When we battle the Yetzirah with a cheshbon, with a calculation, and we try to outsmart and try to outconnive this Yetzirah, He comes back with his own tricks. So in order to fight and battle the Yitzhara, you have to have a certain way. Each tactic that he brings to us, we have to attack in a different way. When a person goes though, B'mesiris Nefesh, with total abnegation, with sacrifice, which means something above Seichel, 
then the person can with one zetz decapitate the entire Yitzhara, derail everything that he wants to do and say. Because through the service of Mesidus Nefesh becomes revealed the part of the Neshama known as Yechida. And when we are involved and connected to the part called Yechida, we totally eradicate the Yitzhara. Now technically we have a question here. We know that Yehuda was the king. Yehuda, Shevet Yehuda was the strong ones. And the Pasuk says in the end of Pasha Vayechi, when Yehuda is being benched, blessed, Gur Arye Yehuda, like a lion. The lion is the king of the animals. In that case, why was B'nai God sent first? Yes, B'nai God was strong, but not like Yehuda. So why did B'nai God go before B'nai Yehuda? When it comes to the strength of Yehuda, it tells us, Yodcha B'edef Evecha. Your hand is on the neck of the enemy. Which means to say that Yehuda destroyed their enemies by hitting them in the neck. Now, the only way you're going to hit your enemy in the neck is if you're chasing the enemy. When you're face to face, you don't hit in the neck, you hit in the throat. Only if you're running after, they're running away from you then you hit them behind. When Yehuda came, it threw great fears in their eyes. And everybody dispersed and ran for their lives. And that's why Yehuda hit from the back. Mashiach and God was not so recognizably strong. And therefore when it came to God, it says, that enemies fell before them. As we said, the head and shoulder were taken at once. They were able to kill their enemies in one zet. When it comes to conquering the land, it doesn't matter to us what the enemies were doing, if they were fighting back or if they were running for their lives. Because both ways, Either way, we're going to conquer the land. If they run for their lives, we have the land. If they come to battle and we kill them, we have the land. But when it came to the Kivash Oretz of the seven nations, they, were just, they weren't just commanded to conquer the land, but also nobody should be left alive. And therefore you didn't want them to run for their lives. You had to kill them out. And if they run away, then it's harder to catch them and kill them. That's why B'nai God was sent to be the first ones. Because although Yehuda was stronger, but they were the ones that would go fighting face to face. And for them the enemies would fall. Just to make sure that I take care of this before we finish. As we said, this Shabbos, Shabbos Chazayin. It's the Shabbos of the nine days. Which, according to everyone, Matzai Shabbos is Shavu Shechalboi. So I can shave. When? Tonight. Why would you shave? Huh? I'm for Allah right now. I can shave, no? Um, we're not going to go into the Sephardic customs. Well, the holiday is Shavuot Shechalba is Matzah Shabbos. For those that are not eating meat in the nine days, there are those that have a custom to take in Shabbos on the summer days to take in Shabbos earlier. So, if we do go to shul and take in Shabbos earlier, then in essence you'd be able to eat meat even if it's daytime still. And if you don't, which we don't, mini Chabad, we don't take in Shabbos early. 
Then obviously you will not eat meat, chicken, or anything until Shabbos comes in. Meat, chicken can only be eaten on Shabbos until Shalashudas. Leftovers, you have to freeze Mat Shabbos immediately so you can eat it on Wednesday afternoon. Matzai um, Shabbos, we make Havdalah on a Hamar Medina, not on wine. If you make it on beer or something of the sort, because we're not allowed to drink wine on Mat Shabbos. However, if there's a child that does not know how to mourn for the Khurban, not know how to mourn for the destruction of the temple, then one may make Havdalah on wine and give the cup to the child. Um, it's a technicality to ask a child, do you mourn or not? Does it make you sad that the temple is destroyed? Do you know how to cry for the temple? If not, I'll slap you and teach you how to cry. It doesn't... So the basic solution usually is to use a Chamar Medina, beer of the sort. If you do not drink beer, and you do not have a child to give it to, you may drink the wine. Um, Monday afternoon, we may not learn anymore, after Chatzay Sayyim. It's customary, of course, to hear see him every day in the nine days which are now missing. Um, Monday afternoon we cannot learn. We eat until Shkia. Please look at your local calendars where Shkia is. Prior to Shkia we eat the Sudasam of Sekes. Not really. We eat an egg on the floor with ashes um, with a slice of bread we do not eat with a mezuman we do not eat with three people together you eat on the floor what's the difference you're eating on the floor not on the table so you did it wrong till now so now it's time to start doing it right Just the egg and the bread. You didn't say that. You don't put the actual egg on the floor. You sit on the floor. I did. Um, and don't sit on the egg. Um, we don't wear leather shoes. I'm your kipper. And therefore, we put on already after before Shkia, we put on we change out of our leather shoes. Tishabov in the morning. Tishabov at night after Mairev we recite the Eicha. The shul generally takes off the curtain, the Perechas from the Aron Kedish. The lights should be dimmed as much as we can. Eicha is recited after Mairev. And generally it is customary to sit and tell over stories that are referring in reference to Khurm. <laughs> in the morning, we do not put on tefillin, Tishbav morning. We don't, no, Sfarim by, by every fast they dive in tefillin mincha. What are you, what are you, please, I'm driving. Oh, uh, okay, but you're saying the wrong thing. No, the brother. The shakras. We do not make a bracha on atzitzis. We don't wear talus or tefillin. Talus and tefillin are put on for mincha. Mincha, of course, has to be after Mincha Yudela. We do not sit on a chair until Chatzais. 
till midday. If you don't have to drive, it's preferable not to drive either. The Sephardic custom is after Chatzais to clean up the house because they're preparing for Mashiach. But only the Sephardim do that. Ashkenazim unfortunately don't. Laundry, etc. is not done until Wednesday. Meat cannot be eaten until Wednesday after Chatzais because the Ibe Samigdash burnt on till Yud. Um, you'll check your local listings to what time the fast ends wherever you are wherever you are I think we covered basically the basics otherwise you can if you have any other questions you're welcome to text or email to ryhecht.gmail and you can send me any other questions you might have on Tishabov. a woman that's pregnant or nursing or just had a baby and feels they can't fast has to ask a rabbi you cannot say I don't fast anyone in that situ- situation a predicament and we learned this also this week in the Rambam quickly in the laws of the Besamikdash we learned the Rambam tells us that if the Bezin wants to broaden the walls of the Yushalayim who wants to broaden the temple, it needs to have the consent from the king, the prophet, the Urim V'tumim, and 71 people of Sanhedrin. And then the Bezdin goes and does it. So this teaches us, of course, that we always have to listen to Da'at Torah, to the opinion of Torah, and only through Da'at Torah can we make any decisions, and therefore anyone that cannot fast or feels medically there's an issue with their fasting, you must ask a rov, a heter, what has to be done. Niske, that Yehovkiyah, Melo, the Sassin, and the Simcha, these days should be turned over to happiness and joy, and we should be in Yerushalayim, in Akedish, and we should have Chazayin, of the ultimate Beis HaMikdash HaShlishim.